Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Some of us are pros at Lent. We have been celebrating for years, and it's an essential part of how we encounter God throughout the year. Some of us are wondering why and how this conversation got so loud in the last few years. And some of us are still recovering from New Year, New You jargon. And now we're wondering why and how we could possibly add anything else in or take anything else through the act of fasting. This one is for the tired gals, the overwhelmed of us who want to honor God and grab hold of all he has for us. But those of us who are wondering if celebrating Lent will feel life-giving or life-taking. This podcast is for you if you'd like to understand the history of Lent, why people celebrate it in the first place, or for those of us who get it but really want to move forward in this season in a more gentle and compassionate way. Let's go. All right, friends, today we are talking about Lent. So to kick off, I want to share just a little bit of the actual history, the historical history of Lent. So some of you might be in church traditions where you've been celebrating it for years. Some of you might just see people posting about it on Instagram, but nobody celebrates it in your church and you're confused about what it is and why we celebrate it. And wherever you fall, to be honest, I have had many conversations about Lent in the past few years. I still found this information really interesting and illuminating, honestly. So here's the deal. Historians generally agree that the 40-day period before Easter, which is what we call Lent, that it emerged after the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. So a couple hundred years after the life and death of Jesus. The earliest observances of Lent that are recorded in history seemed actually, interestingly, to focus on just on the practice of fasting. But here's what I found really interesting in studying the history of Lent, that the council records actually show that this first fast that was celebrated was actually mainly applied to new converts, new believers in Jesus Christ as a period of repentance and reflection before their baptism into the faith at Easter, which I think is so interesting now because now in the evangelical church, we see an influx of baptisms at Easter. And I love knowing that that's rooted in church history. That's not just like a fun marketing idea. It's because, right, as we celebrate the life and death of Jesus, we're going to see a renewal of new life from a salvation perspective. But so interesting, right, that the idea of Lent was 
initially just applied and directed to those new believers. In any case, Lent really quickly became a general practice church-wide. And depending on the church tradition that you grew up in or that you found Jesus in or that you find yourself in now, you might experience it in different ways. So obviously, the Catholic Church celebrates Lent in a more formal setting, more liturgical churches, even in the evangelical setting, will celebrate them. But a lot of contemporary churches don't or maybe haven't in the past and are just now starting to have this conversation. So I have a feeling that lots of us fall on different ends of the spectrum. And I love that we can all kind of come together and say, what does God have have for us in this? So that's obviously the historical background of Lent. The current purpose of Lent really depends on who you ask, depending on what person you ask with what church history you ask. They might tell you a different explanation of like why we celebrate Lent. It is generally accepted to be around the same time, about 46 days before Easter, with Lent beginning on Ash Wednesday, which this year will be February 14th, also Valentine's Day. But then there's like a little bit of confusion around Lent, not including Sundays, which are historically days where some people, if they're fasting, will take off one day a week or specifically Sundays taking off to use that as a day of celebration and feasting. But the current purpose, again, depending on who you ask, the general understanding is it's a time for praying, fasting, and giving, actually, which is something you don't hear about, I feel like, as often on social media or in the culture at large. The 40 days is generally understood to honor Jesus's 40 days spent in the wilderness. And I think most people would agree that there's a deeper call to repentance and even just a noticing of our own sin. So that being said, I went to you guys on social media. I wanted to hear all of your thoughts and all of your questions. And I'm going to get into kind of some of my thoughts based on those questions and really a lot of your questions I just share. But I thought I'd hit before that kind of some general critiques of Lent that I feel like you might hear inside the church, but also outside of the church. So I'm going to pause right here and I want to just share this really interesting thing I learned in seminary. You guys know that I'm in seminary. I've been sharing about it a little bit on the podcast and a little bit online. I'm going to get my Master of Biblical Studies. And I've been a believer for well over two decades, been in church ministry for well over two decades. And I've obviously done a lot of Bible teaching along the way. And I've always heard a ton about the Pharisees, right? So we read about the Pharisees in the New Testament. If you don't do a lot of like deep, deep, deep study, which to be honest, I really haven't to understood the Pharisees. We know we catch this general sense that they were a people who were very stringent or legalistic about the law. And any who's kind of read the New Testament knows like there's like a dirty connotation with the Pharisees. Like, oh, they were like tough on people. It's interesting as I've been in this class where I'm studying the New Testament and even studying the cultural context where the New Testament was written in, I feel like I have such a softer heart for the Pharisees and such a better understanding of what they were dealing with. And so I'll just share this really briefly. And this is just one seminary student just kind of 
expounding on something that I have found very interesting and how, in my mind, it also relates to Lent. So the Pharisees were religious leaders who really initially were trying to serve the people. And so intertestamental period, that's the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Culturally, the people of God were being faced with so many influences that were pulling them away from the devotion that they had once walked out with God. So specifically, they were abandoning some of the rhythms that helped them feel connected to God, right? Namely, the Sabbath. They weren't resting anymore. They weren't receiving God's rest through the gift of the Sabbath. And instead they were working, instead they were striving, instead they were pushing. And that's because of the cultural influences that were encouraging them to do so. Does that sound familiar to us today? I think Christians right now are kind of facing the same cultural dilemma. Obviously, this is something I feel strongly about having written tired of being tired. So if you think about the people of God in this intertestamental period, post-Old Testament, pre-New Testament, who are just feeling so tempted in every way, much like us, to become more like the culture around them. The Pharisees enter as these religious leaders who are like, come on, guys, let's go back to God's heart. Let's go back to God's law and see what he has here for us. As a reminder that God has given his law not to keep his people chained up, not to keep them tied up, not to keep them bound, but to help them experience boundaries that'll help them experience more life. So the Pharisees come along and say, hey, it seems like we're really missing some of these boundaries and limitations. So let's expand them. Let's create some more laws, some more rules around the initial law so that we'll have more assurances kind of built in to keep us from breaking God's law and therefore not experiencing the abundance that he has for us. So we see how, right, this is a tendency for all of us who walk with God, who have a relationship with God, to take maybe a good boundary or limitation and then put some extra special rules on it and say, well, if it's good at this size, let's make it this size. If it seems wise to have this limitation, let's say everybody should have this even more stringent limitation. And that's how the Pharisees kind of truly got this reputation for putting barriers and burdens on the people that they couldn't even carry themselves. And we can see how obviously this wasn't God's heart. So as I'm reading about the history of Lent and really truly this call specifically for new believers to understand the weight of their sin but also to understand the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus through the act of baptism I see maybe in us also this tendency to take what could be a beautiful invitation from God to think on his heart, to think on the wild work of salvation that was purchased for us on the cross of Christ, and now turn it into a set of rules that we have to follow that maybe end up making us feel less connected to God and less connected to one another. And When I heard from you guys, when I went to you and said, hey, what are your dilemmas or what are your pain points or what are your questions about Lent? You seem to feel a lot of the same things. I read this quote by Eric Ferris, who's actually the founder of a site called The Lent Experience. So he's obviously pro-Lent, but he said this beautiful thing. He said, you could observe a thousand Lents and it won't ever accomplish in your life what the cross of Jesus has. And so I just feel the beauty and the weight 
of that, that we have to remember right here at the beginning of this season, that for those of us who by grace, through faith, walk with God, Lent is an invitation for us to think about the beauty of what He's done for us, not to begin to misunderstand our relationship with Him and what we perceive we need to do to get closer to Him. Deep pause for that, because honestly, the way that hits my heart helps me take a deep inhale and have a deep exhale. So in Tired of Being Tired, obviously, I'm calling this episode Lent for Tired Women, but in Tired of Being Tired, a portion of fatigue and exhaustion that I didn't necessarily see myself researching and writing about was the idea of spiritual exhaustion. But when I got into the work of writing this book, I realized that, yeah, many of us need a little more sleep and many of us are mentally overwhelmed. And many of us need some practical tools to process our emotions. But to be honest, I believe a lot of us are experiencing an existential level of exhaustion because spiritually, we've made walking with God about what we perceive He wants from us or needs from us or expects from us. And we've stopped seeing the beauty of walking with God as an invitation from Him to experience his grace, his goodness, his presence, his power. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. What would it look like for us to have this conversation, seeing it again as not something God wants from us, but maybe a deeper experience with the story and the beauty of his death and resurrection and what that might do for us, but not something that he is putting on us for us to earn relationship with him, grace, goodness, righteousness, etc. I'll tell you really quickly before we take a break, my personal history with Lent, if you're listening and you're like, well, what's your deal? <laughs> my personal history is I grew up in a liturgical church that did celebrate the church calendar. So we celebrated Advent, we celebrated Lent, we celebrated Epiphany, we celebrated all these days kind of in the historical church calendar. But I actually had no idea what any of them meant. I knew that there were a lot of colors associated with certain seasons. I knew that the pastor at our church changed colors of like sashes on his robe occasionally, but I didn't really know what it meant. I knew we lit different color candles during the Christmas season, but again, I didn't understand the context behind it. And to be honest, as I was in that church, I was actually not walking in a relationship with Jesus. When I got saved, my family moved to an evangelical non-denominational church that didn't really celebrate the church calendar. And that's the context that I stayed in for the next few decades as a believer. And so I didn't think a ton about any of that liturgical church setting, Advent or Lent or any of it, until my late 20s. And to be honest, I got just interested in the church calendar again as a way to teach my kids about God. So in my late 20s, I actually found myself starting a business that heavily focused on the church calendar. So the first business I ever ran was a print shop called Naptime Diaries that we then rebranded to a business called All Good Things Collective. And we primarily sold art prints that were made and based on biblical truths. But 
twice a year, we also sold products for Advent, the season before Christmas, and then eventually for Lent. And so for a handful of years, for about five or six years, my entire life began to revolve around Advent and Lent. And as the business grew, it was kind of all I thought about to the point where sometimes it was hard for me to experience those seasons in earnest because I was so busy shipping or preparing or even, again, as the business grew and people began to think of me as someone who could talk on these things intelligently, people would call me for interviews or have me come speak at their church at the beginning of Lent. And I lost a lot of my personal connection with these seasons. And so when we closed the business, when we felt like the season was over and it was time for us to step out of running that business, I took a huge step back personally from celebrating Advent and Lent. And I really wanted to get back to some spiritual rhythms and disciplines that didn't necessarily feel based on providing for other people or selling anything, but just felt really genuine for me. And in the last couple of years, I've realized that, okay, I might have swung too far away from Advent and Lent. Now I'm missing some of the sacred rhythms of that season. And so I'm coming back to them with a lot of grace. But All that being said, as I shared before, you guys asked some incredible questions and you also presented some dilemmas or some pain points around this season, especially as women who already have a lot going on in our lives. So we're going to take a quick break and then come back and hold our hands up to God together and say, what do you have for us this Lent? I hear from people all the time that getting time in God's word and really soaking in God's word is difficult, that it's hard to incorporate into your schedule. And I get it, but I have an incredible solution for you that has helped me and so many other people. And that is the Dwell app. Again, Dwell helps us fight this huge problem because when we don't have time to sit down and read, we can listen to God's word. As we're driving around town, as we're preparing meals, as we're folding laundry, as we're going on walks. Dwell helps us absolutely soak up God's word. Here is why I'm obsessed with the Dwell app. You can not only pick different plans and different parts of the Bible to listen from, but this is also a listening app where you have so many different options. You can pick which version of the Bible is reading to you. You can pick which voice. I have to say my favorite is Ryan. You can pick which sounds you hear in the background. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's the ambient sounds. And again, of course, you can totally pick the content of which plan you are going to be listening to of God's word. The Dwell app has helped so many people, including me, get time in God's word, and they are giving you guys a discount of 25% off. So you can go to dwellapp.io slash Jess to get 25% off of the Dwell app. You are going to love soaking in God's word and living your day more connected to his truth, his presence, his power. I can't wait to hear how it changes the game for you. All right, friends. So I went to Instagram and I said, hey, 
let's talk about Lent, especially as women who maybe already have a lot going on in our lives. And talk to me about how you're feeling. And you guys came out of the woodwork. You said so many beautiful and poignant and honest things and presented so many just great questions and dilemmas that you're working through. But I'm going to try to sum them up in some main points that I heard from you guys. So number one, a lot of you said, this is one more thing for me to feel guilty about when I don't do it well. Some of you said, I don't know if I have margin in my life to add in one more spiritual rhythm. I don't know if I have margin in my life to take one more thing out. Some of you said, can I be honest? Lent feels really depressing. It feels like we're only talking about part of the gospel. It feels like we're only talking about our sin and we're not talking about the resurrection. Many of you brought up a problem that I am so proud of you for being honest about and that I think is very important to talk about. And that is that many of us have a history with disordered eating. And you said fasting for me is problematic. If I could just pause right here and speak to this, a lot of you guys have read Breaking Free from Body Shame, my book about body image and the kingdom. And if you have, you know that while I haven't shared the details, I also have a past with disordered eating. And I will say that fasting can be very problematic for me. And fasting from food is something I almost have written out of my life. And it's not because I don't believe I'm free. It's not because I don't believe that I'm healed. It's truly because there's something that still gets really triggered in my mind when I begin to fast that it is very difficult for me to not start to be maybe grateful or expectant about some aesthetic changes in my body when I do fast. I do not like that feeling. I just am too careful and too cautious with my freedom that I don't want to put myself in an unhealthy place. But if I could just say that for those of you who would say like, yep, me too, I have felt that way too. I really actually don't think this is as uncommon as people might think. And if I'm being very, very, very transparent, knowing that 97 to 98% of women struggle with body image issues, it's really hard for me to believe that there is not often a motivation or even an added bonus for those of us who might seek spiritual fasting, that we don't at least have a wave of thought in our brains of like, "Mm, and I could also lose weight. And again, This is so natural. This is so common given the culture that we're in, but I do not believe it is God's heart for us. My personal take is that it actually grieves the heart of God that he doesn't want his daughters thinking about withholding food from themselves for any aesthetic or cultural or people-pleasing reasons. And just with the prevalence of eating disorders as the number one killing destructive mental health disorder in America for women. I just don't think it's really something to play about. So I just honor any of you who might have said like, listen, this is too tender for me. You're not alone. And I think you're actually potentially more in the majority than you would know. A lot of you also said, hey, here's another pain point. Lent is long. 
like Advent's like 25, 30 days. Lent's 40 to 46 days, depending on how you celebrate. It's a season. It is an undertaking. And so I just kind of hold space for all of these things. And again, with sharing the background of the initial purpose for Lent and sharing the background about the Pharisees and adding on laws, I think that there's an invitation for us to pause and say, is any of this God's heart for us? Is God's heart for us putting one more thing on us that he would say, like, if you don't do this right, you haven't done Lent well, you haven't done Easter well. No, he says Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Would he say, I want you to prove your love and devotion to me by adding one more thing or giving one more thing up? No, I think he would say, don't you know, I have paid the full price for your life. I have come all the way for you. For those of us who would say, like, this feels like kind of depressing. It feels kind of heavy to like sit in this morbid introspection of our sin. I think about Acts 3, 19 and 20, where we're told, repent, therefore, that times of refreshing may come. And I would just remind our hearts that walking in the freedom and grace that comes from repentance, that comes from acknowledging our sins and then turning and then taking full advantage of the freedom that is ours in Jesus, that that's his heart for us. That's his plan for us. Now, that being said, I don't think this means we shouldn't celebrate Lent. I think it means we should celebrate Lent with the full gospel and with the full truth of our freedom. And I have a few just journaling questions for you to think through that might help you process if anything is right for you for celebrating this season. I would say maybe like be wary of anyone who would say to you, this is exactly how you should celebrate Lent. This is what you should fast from. This is how you should do it exactly. Because as a reminder, this is not a biblical mandate for believers. This is a man-made idea. It was invented at the Council of Nicaea. It's shifted and changed since then. Now, there are lots of man-made ideas that are good and wise, but it's not a biblical mandate. And so if you don't do it exactly the way someone tells you to do it, then you're not obeying that person. It doesn't mean you're not obeying God. But I do think there's an invitation for us to get with God and hear from Holy Spirit and say, what would be life-giving for me? What might you have for me in this season? So really, I just have four questions for you to think through. I don't think you need to take 40 days to think through these questions. I think you could journal through them in 10 minutes by yourself. Here's number one. Have I begun to see spiritual disciplines as something God wants from me and not for me? Again, this is about a fourth of what I share and teach about in Tired of Being Tired this idea of spiritual exhaustion. If you haven't already pre-ordered Tired of Being Tired, I can't suggest it enough. It comes out right after Easter, but you can download the first chapter by seeing a link in the show notes. I'd love for you to just read it right there and it might stir up some things with you and for you. So number one, have I begun to see spiritual disciplines as something God wants from me and not for me? Here is your second journaling question. God, Are you inviting me into anything? Is God inviting you into anything in this Lent season? Is he inviting you into maybe 
a little more time of meditation? Is he inviting you into more community to talk about his word with other people? Is he inviting you into a reading plan? Is he inviting you into reflection time? Is he inviting you into some personal or corporate worship? Is he inviting you into fasting? But I trust God so much more to communicate well to you than I trust myself. And I know that he's a good communicator and I know that he's a good father. And I hope and pray more than you even ever feel invited by a person, you feel invited by the person of Jesus to pay attention to what might be right for you in this season. Here's your third question. Are there rhythms that might help me acknowledge the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? These could be rhythms you add in, not necessarily just things you take out. Again, as a reminder, I love the idea that when Lent was initially established, one of the core tenets of it was giving, was being generous during this season. I think it's an incredible way that we model our lives after our friend and Savior Jesus. So maybe this is a season for giving and not necessarily just taking and subtracting things out of your life. And then lastly, regarding fasting, here's my kind of reflection question for you to think on. What would help you acknowledge how desperate you already are for Jesus? I think the beauty of fasting, and again, we could probably do a whole podcast series on the process of fasting, but I think for me, the practice, even if I'm not specifically fasting food, the practice helps me remember and remind my mind and my soul that I am desperate for Jesus, that I need Jesus. I need God's provision. I need God's power. I need salvation because I cannot do this life on my own. I need his kindness and his love. I need the fruits of the spirit. I need the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead alive and active in my life. I need Jesus. And so fasting reminds me through various ways, but you know, whether that's through a hunger cue for somebody who might actually fast or whether that's through not reaching for Netflix when we might pacify ourselves, or maybe that's through not shopping for 40 days by not trying to meet our own needs. But for me, it's a reminder of how desperate I already am for him so that I can access that need and that attention to his provision, his goodness, his kindness more than the world. Maybe Fasting for you might look like not only like taking things out, but putting in rhythms that help you see how dependent you are on him. But those are my four questions for you. Number one, have you begun to see spiritual disciplines as something God wants from you, not for you? Two, could you get with God and ask, are you inviting me into anything this Lent? Three, are there rhythms that might help you acknowledge the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? And number four, what would help you acknowledge how desperate you already are for Jesus? This is obviously not an exhaustive list of things to think through this Lent. And that's why in the show notes, we put together a really short, just little resource for you with these questions so that you can think through them all of Lent, but also some other reading plans, some other books, some other resources that me or somebody I know has read or loved. And if nothing else, I hope it's just a springboard. So when you're already tired, when you're already overwhelmed, you don't have to start from scratch and figure it all out and make an awesome Lent because that is not the point. The point is experiencing more 
of Jesus and celebrating his life, his death, and his resurrection. If you haven't already pre-ordered Tired of Being Tired in the name of Jesus, do. Because whether it's Easter, whether it's Lent, whether it's Advent, whether it's July 4th, we need realistic rest for our soul deep exhaustion. All right, let me pray for us and I'll send us out of here. God, thank you for Lent. We thank you for just a period to pay attention to what you did for us in sending your son, Jesus. We want as much of you as we can have in this life. We want to acknowledge you as much as we can in our daily rhythms and in our disciplines. But in the name of Jesus, we also want to break ties with striving and trying to do more and trying to earn your love, your grace, and your relationship. So we ask now that you would just give us insight individually and collectively. Give us wisdom about what you might be inviting us into this season. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. Our eyes are on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.